listening to a message from Park Springs Bible Church, located in Arlington, Texas, where we discover life in the power of God's grace and share His life-changing grace with others. Join us as we hear from the Word. Well, good morning, Park Springs. What a, a great way to just be before y'all with so much worship and prayer infused this morning already. I know I've got my heart going um, just in a lot of things on the mind. Also, the cold brew probably helped um, coffee-wise, but I'm going to try to slow it down so I don't speak a million miles an hour this morning. But um, my name is Mark Johnson, and I am a member here. I was a youth director for three months, or it, it's been three months since I was a youth director. For three years, I was a youth director. In August was when I stepped down, but um, still a member here, um, Jared. Charlie, Jim, the people who could be up here preaching before you are all out of country. So that's interesting and fun. And they asked me to step in. They looked to the end of the bench. They said, who are the people we got to call up to do this? Or who's that guy at the end? There's nobody else here. And I'm kicking the dirt around. I'm like, I don't expect to come in. And they're like, hey, get up. You're on, you're on deck. And I'm like, well, okay, put me in coach. So that's where we're at this morning. Um, coming off the end of the bench, but super grateful to just be here before you giving the word. Um, excited. Um, to what God is going to show us this morning um, as I, I walk through it in preparation and what hopefully he can speak through me um, in a way that um, will be insightful and formative for us this morning. We're at the end of our Engaged series. This is the end. It's been a long road. We had a changed series before this where we had songs um, that went along with sermons on uh, just encounters that people had with God with Jesus and his ministry and how they left changed. And so we wanted a sermon series to follow that up with, we've been changed by God, now what? We need to engage the world that is before us. And so we've talked about things like prayer, the church, the world, the community that we have around us, politics. I'm glad that wasn't what I got this week. I'm glad Charlie did that last week. And just let me say, I thought it was a really, really good message. Something that is just very um, formative for myself is just being on the younger side and needing to think through these things as I grow up and I go and have influence on this world. So I was just really blessed by last week. Um, and just to say that I think, you know, as I stand before you, uh, I, I worked at this church, uh, but I'm just a, a, a simple member, you know, just like one of y'all, you know, we're, we're the same here. Um, not to elevate the staff in any way, they're, they're humans too. Um, but I have uh, just such a good relationship with Jared and Charlie that it, it feels like um, just to, to tell you, if you're a newcomer, you don't know who I am, um, that I just have the same kind of mindset. They have formed me and helped me understand things that God is trying to show me in my life. And so it, I feel very fit for duty up here just because of what Jared and Charlie, what God has done through them just in my life, Jim also, and just the staff. So I just wanted to get that out beforehand. Um, very much on the same page in terms of Park Springs. Been here for 25 years. I'm 25, so it just helps to know, you know, <laughs> what stuff has happened here at Park Springs. I've been around for a little bit. Um, I have grown in maturity the things that I have understood and come to understand in terms of who God is in his relationship with me at Park Springs has just been incredible, and it is a blessing to be up before y'all this morning. So the last topic we have for this, this Engage series, it's really fitting that we get to have all those spiritual truths, and then we're going to move on. Spiritual formation, that is what we're talking about this morning. Um, we're going to talk about how we can grow spiritually in our walk with the Lord. And to do that, I feel like every time I think about some kind of metaphor to get us into the sermon, uh, it's soccer related. 
um, because I love soccer and it's just like how I kind of think and process things. And today's no different. Um, this is kind of how I, I came to understand it. As I grew up playing soccer, um, it was a thing that I did. You know, I went to practices. I wanted to be good at it, right? I wanted to impress my friends. I also enjoyed it. It wasn't just a thing I did for um, impress, impressing people, but it was something I enjoyed doing. And so went to practices, um, did some practice on my own. I never really loved lifting weights, but uh, every once in a while I thought, oh, I'll go lift some weights and I'll bulk up so I could be better at soccer, which never stuck. But I loved soccer, but I also loved playing video games. I also loved going to the movies. I loved hanging out with my friends. There were other things that kind of pulled my attention away from soccer. But as I grew up, I wanted to be a professional soccer player, right? I wanted to be on that stage. I wanted to make a gajillion dollars, right? That was a side thing. I loved the game, but I would love the money too, probably, as I grew up. How do I get there? How do I become that professional soccer player? And I didn't really know. I mean, I, I was doing some things, um, practices, right? Doing some things on my own time. But as I grew up, I came to understand, you know, there's a difference between going to a couple soccer practices and having soccer be your whole life. And so there are soccer countries around the world, South America, England, to um, just be South America as a continent. There we go. There is a continent and a country that I would use in as an example, South America and England. They, some of those kids, they come out of the womb kicking the soccer ball around, right? They, they are breathing soccer all the time. And so there's a difference between kind of how I went about my soccer career and how they might go about their soccer career. They might have some time off from school and they might say, hey, what do you want to go do? I would say, oh, let's go play video games or go do something that's not very helpful. And they would go, let's go play soccer, right? That's all we want to do. And so throughout their life, the hours just add up. The hours they've spent playing soccer and kicking the ball around, the technical ability that they are forming because of the hours they spent is just, it's distancing from myself, right? That kind of makes sense. So at the end of the day, they would be a lot better, right? They just, they've put the hours in, they've put the time in, um, and there's a difference. And so as I grew up, I kind of understand that that's how you get the Messi's and the Ronaldo's of the world. If you don't know, those are professional soccer players. They're cool. They're like a, a big deal. But it also doesn't matter that you don't know it because soccer's not too big a deal here. Um, but anyways, I'll go on. Football. Let's talk about football next time. Um, anyways... Those people get to where they're at because they spend their whole lives dedicated to this practice because they are doing it day in, day out. And although there was a lot of soccer in my growing up, you know, it wasn't something that I wanted to do every second of every day. I didn't love it that much. You know, that wasn't what soccer was for me. I loved hanging out with friends. I had other things and I'm glad, you know, I'm, I don't look back and say, man, I wish I spent every day out on the pitch, you know, kicking the football around. But no, I'm happy with the way I, that God raised me and showed me some disciplines through soccer. But there is a difference there. And these people who spent every waking hour doing things that kind of helped them in their soccer career, that's how we can kind of look at our relationship with God. And I know you might sit there and think, whoa, easy. I'm not sure I want to be reading the Bible every second of every day. And I'm not telling you to do that. But I am telling you to let God be infused in every aspect and every moment of your life. And that is how we will grow. If you're sitting there thinking, I, and I think this is a good diagnosis, and a lot of today will be trying to self-assess as to where we are at in our walk with Christ. Um, if you don't feel like you've moved, if you feel like you're stagnant in your faith, if you don't think that uh, the, over the last year you've moved anywhere in growth, you might even think you've gone backwards. Like that's, we need to figure that out, right? Because God has called us into a relationship with him where we are moving forward. And so that's what we're gonna kind of try to do today. We're gonna see if we can assess. That's why there's papers on your chairs. I printed out a bunch of papers. Um, hold on to those to the end. Uh, we will look at those later, but that is what they are there for um, 
to help ourselves assess where we are at spiritually. So I want to read, uh, you don't have to turn there with me. This isn't our first passage that we're going to look at. Um, I just want to read it over us. In Deuteronomy, this is the, the passage of the Shema. I just want to read this and just kind of give us a backdrop. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. The word of God says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets before, between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I don't know how many times you pass by the way, how many times you walk by the way in your day-to-day -day life. I don't know, maybe once or twice for me. I'm not exactly sure how I apply that directly to like me getting up and going to my car. But I think what he's getting here, getting at here is that it is a constant thing that the God of the Old Testament, the same God in the New Testament that we're gonna look at some passages, he wants us to be walking with him daily. Not just daily. Every moment of our life needs to be walking with him. We can't just put it away on Sunday morning or bring him out on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. It's gotta be a constant daily work that we push ourselves to. And so let's look at that. Where can we be moving forward? First point of this morning is these gospel-centered truths that we've been talking about, these gospel-centered truths must become a part of who we are. All of these things we've talked about in this engaged series, they have to be a part of our very nature. They have to be interwoven into the fabric of who we are. Um, and if they're not, if we're letting them stay kind of on the outside, then that is not going to present growth in our lives. And so that can be the first thing we look at is maybe I'm not growing. Maybe I'm not letting these things seep in. Why is that? Well, we're going to look at two obstacles this morning. Um, that I think uh, a couple passages we can, we can look at. Two obstacles in our spiritual formation. And the first one is sin. I think sin stands in the way as the first opponent, the devil, our adversary, as First as Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. If we don't make a emphasis on how deadly and cru crucially killer sin is in our lives then we will never move forward in our walk with the Lord. Um, if, if, if we take it and we bring it into our homes and we let it be somewhere, something that's not that big a deal, you know, like maybe we'll shun it and we'll tell our kids not to do it. But also we don't take it for what it is. We don't see it as the deadly killer um, of our relationship with, with the Lord that it is, then we will be stunted in our growth. Sin is separation from God. So on the opposite, if you wanna get closer to God, it's pretty simple to think that we need to figure out what this thing is, separation of God. And so if you want to turn with me, we're going to be in the book of Colossians, Colossians 3, 1 through 17. My wife put these awesome little tabs in my Bible because I was taking a while flipping to each one. So I'm there already, but y'all don't have preset tabs. It's okay. I'll give you all a second to turn there, Colossians 3. 1 through 17, it'll also be up on the screen. We're going to read through it. I'm going to see what Paul has to say about the impact of sin and kind of how we can go away from sin and what we need to put in place of that. So if you read with me, Colossians 3, 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For if you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ, 
who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked, when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And so that's where we're gonna kind of camp out for a little bit. We're gonna move to some other places because the scriptures is loaded with things on spiritual growth. But we're gonna dissect this a little bit. Sin, it stands as an obstacle between us and our spiritual formation, we have to deal with it. It cannot be something that is casually allowed to be a part of our lives. If we don't put a precedence on the danger of sin in our lives, then we will be stunted in our spiritual growth. That is a key part of the gospel is that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, the things he's dealt with it. So it's not like we're having to do anything to, to deal with it in terms of our eternal destination, but we have to be aware of what it is and we have to follow Jesus as he calls us to move away from sin. So what does Paul say? He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. So he's, he's not denying the fact that we're sinful. He's saying, yes, we have this earthly part in us. He even says it and addresses it, that that's the old self that we once had, but we have to walk away from it. So put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming in you. These you too once walked when you were living in them. So he's, he's saying, yes, these are things that you've struggled with before. And I have struggled with them before. We are all sinners for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. He is not denying the fact that we're wrestling with this and saying, hey, you just go live a perfect life, you know, as a follower of Christ. No, these are very much a part of our lives. Sin is a part of the human nature, but he is calling us to walk set apart. Read the Bible. And that will be the, the theme that you continuously see is that we are called set apart people of God who are in the world, but not of it. That's what he's listing here. Read this passage and think to yourself, where does that find its place in my life? Where are these sin struggles um, coming to fruition? Because we each have them. I cannot read this and say, nope, none of that's me. You know, I'm crushing it. Let's get to the next part. What's your second obstacle, Mark? No, you're missing the point if that's your mentality. We all have sin struggles that we're wrestling with. No one is perfect, but our savior who lived that perfect life. And so we have to be able to diagnose where we're at. That is what he's calling us to. 
Put off these things, put them to death, get rid of them as much as we possibly can because what stands in our way between our relationship with us and the Father is this, is these, these, this separation of God, this sinful nature that we have. So we have to assess, look inward. Where are these things finding their places in our lives and get rid of them? Put to death. He then says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. He says then to put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So it's not, hey, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, bad, bad Mark, you've done it again. Why are you doing that? No, he says, Come and follow me. Put these things to death and come and follow me in this life that I've given you. He is not a dictator God who is saying, hey, just don't do this. Here's a list of things not to do. He's given us his son who's calling us to walk in a new life with him, one that is not held down by sin. You can live and, and assess where we're at and put to death the things um, of Satan, but, but to live life for Christ, and that is what he call, he's calling us to, and that's what we should first do in our in our obstacles that we're trying to assess: put to death sin, abhor sin, and love what Jesus loves. That's the the response to this first obstacle of sin. Abhor means to disdain, have disdain or disgust for. It can't be something that we're like, oh, sin, that's okay. The Bible says not to do that, but sure, we're going to let it slide this time. No, it has to be something that when we see it, it's like a, ugh, you know, like, ugh, that's gross. Or we don't want that. Um, and I think so easily we can, in a, uh, a complacency type of manner, what we're going to get to later, we can see sin and we can be like, yeah, I know it says not to, but not today. Let's, let's deal with that next time. Um, but no, it is something that needs to be handled right now in this moment. And so ask yourselves, as you're sitting there, what places am I struggling with? What are my sin struggles? If you're sitting there and thinking, Mark, I, I haven't grown in a while. You know, what might be the reason why I might not be growing? My first thing is to say, hey, what are your sin struggles? Do you know them? Do you know where you are um, commonly being tripped up? If you have not self-assessed where your sin struggles are, then that's the place to start if you're looking for spiritual growth. If you're looking to be moving up that ladder of being transformed from one degree of glory to the other, um, as scripture says, that's our first place. You know, look, assess where is sin slipping into our lives and let's combat it, let's fight it. Read this, do less of the first passage and do more of the second passage. That's what I'll leave you with. Abhor sin and love what Jesus loves. Read the gospels, go figure that out. There's a lot of it. There's a lot that Jesus loves and we can go and do that. Second obstacle we face, and this is one that I think is near and dear um, to who I am um, as kind of someone who loves comfort, loves not having to do anything that's out of my comfort zone. Complacency is our second obstacle is that we can fight these first things, this, this sin struggle we have. We can you know, attempt to combat those things, but then we can stop there. We can say, yes, God told me not to do this, not to do this, not to do this. Um, yeah, I'm kind of okay. I'll just figure that out. I'm not really gonna walk in what Jesus has called me to walk in. I'm just gonna know not to do X, Y, and Z, all right? And I'm a Christian, yay. Um, and I think there are people who can be Christians, who can call on the name of Jesus, who can accept the gospel, but can stay in a rut, can get stuck in a place where they're like, yeah, I'm fine with where I'm at. Yes, I, I know the Bible says some things about going and making disciples of every nation, tongue, and tribe, but I'm kind of okay with the things I'm doing. You know, like I've kind of mitigated sin. Uh, I know my sin struggles. I know where I'm at. Um, 
but I'm, I'm okay. I'm not really looking to go figure anything else out. I'm kind of okay with where I'm at. That is something that I find is so hard to fight in my own life, that I find comfort and I find a place where I want to stay, but God has not said, hey, stay there once you figure things out. You're never gonna figure things out. Keep striving, keep going after me. I'm an infinite God who has infinite provision. What does that mean? We'll never get to him on this side of heaven in a way that we will when we are in heaven and have eternity with Jesus. But that's not a thing that that makes us sad. That's a thing that says, oh, okay, I'm gonna do my best on this side of heaven to get as close to my savior as possible because the things he has done for me, I cannot get out of my mind. I can't get out of my my very being. I want to glorify my father with the things that I can do. What does that mean? I need to go and strive after him. So how do we combat complacency? Don't do it halfway. We can accept the gospel and Jesus can be in our lives, but we can miss the growth that that Jesus has for us past that How do we combat that? I kind of thought through it a little bit and kind of came up with this idea of reactive versus proactive dependency. Um, I want to read 1 Corinthians. You can turn there real real quick. It won't be up on the screen, but 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. I'm there already. I'm just going to read it. Um, Paul addressing the church of Corinth. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready for you are still of the flesh for while there's jealousy and strife among you. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Paul is telling these people like, Hey, you had these basic truths, you know, gospel. That's what we need to be a Christian. You need to believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he rose again three days later, living a perfect life, conquering sin, putting it to death and that we have life and life abundantly in Jesus. That is the gospel. That is what Christianity is based off of. And that is a beautiful thing. But as we unpack that, and I personally can attest that as you grow in your relationship with God, the gospel gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and we get smaller and smaller and smaller. We start to understand the infinite power, the infinite grace of God, and seeing that it is truly beautiful for what it is. But you can't expect to know those things right when you, you know, become a Christian. Every one of y'all, if you call yourself a Christian, has a moment where you chose to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you haven't, then I would encourage you to figure that out. I just went over the gospel. It's, it's as easy as accepting Jesus into our lives. It's, it's giving him the reins instead of our own life. So if you are not a believer, I would encourage you to do so or to find somebody. Um, there's a lot of people here who would love to engage in that conversation with you. Um, I am one of those people. So come find me, say, I'm not a believer. How do I do that? I got you. Let's figure this out. You know, let's go get coffee or something. Let's figure that out. But this is moving into a place where if you're a Christian, Where can we be growing? Where can we combat complacency? Paul is saying, hey, you had these basic truths, but if you still are on milk, right? This this, uh, basic nourishment, if you're still there and not moving forward, then there's a problem. We have to be tackling some deeper things. We have to be moving forward. We have to be consuming this solid food because the Bible has more and more and more and more of us to take. And so this proactive versus reactive thing is each one of us, we're brought low at one point in our life in a place where we said, Jesus, you are what I need. And maybe circumstances dictated that. Maybe um, the things of this life, we said, oh, there's no satisfaction here. The things that I have encountered in my life has brought me so low. I need something else. Jesus, reading the Bible, scripture, yes, that is what I want. Because of the world and what it has done to me, I have decided to follow the Lord because his way is better. 
And so we might've been brought low, maybe circumstances just put someone in our life who said, hey, have you heard about Jesus? And we were like, no, but we wanted him and we accepted him and believe him. Now we've been going to church for um, 25, 30 years and we haven't been moving. Maybe that's us. We cannot have a reactive faith where when things happen in our life, we go, okay, God, I need you now. You know, like come save me, come figure this stuff out. But now that you're done and now that things are back to normal, I'm gonna go back on my way and I'm gonna do things my way again. It can't be a continuous roller coaster. Sometimes that's how life is, and I, I get that. And I know that God will present himself in those moments. So I'm not saying that's, that's never gonna happen again. But we have to be trending in a trajectory where we are seeking him daily, not just because the things are hard in our life and we have to fall back on God. God is not a fallback. That is not a long-term solution. God has to be the constant. God has to be the part of our life where we go to him every single morning, every time we pass by the way, every time we lie down or stand up, we go to God. It's a consistent thing that we have to fight for. So to understand it like that, proactive versus reactive, I think is very helpful. So have a proactive faith. Be ready to move forward in every moment in our life. Don't sit and wait for something to come and then say, God, okay, I need you again. And that is something that will, will foundationally change your life. That will present you with some growth. If um, we look in a second at this roadmap, this, this disciple roadmap, that'll help you understand like, these are things I need in my life now. How do we figure that out? How do I have a proactive faith instead of a reactive faith? And that's what we're gonna look at as we kind of close. We're gonna pull up that sheet so everybody can grab that sheet if you have it with you. It's not up on the screen, so you gotta look at it as we walk through it. As we walk through it, think about the things that we've talked about. Sin. Where does sin hold grasp in our life? Um, where does complacency kick in? Where might we be stagnant in our faith? And I'm not coming to you as someone who's like, yeah, look at me as a spiritual tree of growth and prosperity. No, that is not who I am. Um, we are all, that's not who anyone is. Charlie, Jared, anyone coming up here is never preaching from a place of, hey, do this, do this, do this, and be like me. That is not the way um, that we present this stuff. It, I'm walking through this just as much as you are. That this is, these are things we're all walking through. And I saw this from the BSM, Baptist Student Ministry at UTA, uh, and it has stuck with me as I was reading through kind of what this sermon was about. It popped up in my head. I went and checked it out, and I said, this is perfect. Let's look through this um, together as a body of believers. If nothing else that you get from this morning, this piece of paper is really, really cool. So I've already done a good job, you know? Check the box. Doesn't matter whatever I said. Um, as, long as, as long as it's theologically sound, I guess, yeah, that's a good thing. Um, but take this paper, go home. There's questions on there. If you've got a home group you're a part of, I would encourage you to be a part of one if you're not. But go through it with your home group. Read these things, you know, talk amongst yourselves. But we're gonna go through it. That's how we're gonna kind of close this morning, this discipleship roadmap. I think it is incredibly helpful to say, hey, where am I on this list? You know, where do I want to go? Where have I come from? Do I see the places that God has grown me? Sometimes it's hard to assess. You can't move forward unless you know where you're going, right? That's a very um, easy, digestible truth. We got to know where we're headed. And so this discipleship roadmap is not cut in stone. You know, the Bible doesn't ever say, you first you're a true convert, then you're a growing Christian disciple. But these are truths that you can kind of derive spiritual truth or scriptural truths. And so there's, there's scripture with each one. We're not gonna read the scripture. You can do that on your own time. I would encourage you to do that. But we're gonna read through it and kind of just communicate. I wanna go through it with us um, as a body. I think that is extremely helpful. And this is not something that I made, so it's really cool. I can give God the credit.
So what's first? If you are just, just became a Christian, right? True convert. Change of attitude toward Jesus Christ, now favorable. Regardless of where you were before, maybe you were um, a very uh, anti-God. Maybe you were very antagonistic against God. Maybe you were agnostic. Maybe you just didn't care, right? No matter where you came from, um, the gospel is for you. But now that we have become a convert of Christ, now that we are a believer, we trusted in his death and resurrection and that he will provide for us for the rest of our lives. Now it is a favorable attitude toward Jesus Christ. And so the opposite happens, change of attitude towards sin, now unfavorable, right? That the testing, that the stain of sin, it, how, it now needs to be out of our house. We have to cast it out of our lives as much as we possibly can. Have a desire to grow spiritually, publicly professed commitment to Christ. Baptism could be a part of that true convert. We have now chosen to follow our savior. And so I think a lot of us are in that category. And I would say, if you are a recent convert, like, hey, easy. We don't need to get to anything too crazy, right? At the beginning, we need uh, a milk, basic food, right? The nourishment that God has given us, but we need to grow. So we need to be moving forward. What's next? A growing Christian meets the profile of a convert, so checks all those boxes, engaged in developing a relationship with God through word, prayer, etc. So is doing some of these engaging practices, right? These things that we need to be engaging in our spiritual walk in this world, engaged in developing a relationship with God through word, prayer, etc. So those have to be kind of in our life, right? If we're a true convert, but then we're like never gonna take any steps towards like actually knowing God or understanding who he is, then we can't call ourselves a growing Christian, right? I mean, that just... It makes sense. Tracks. Observable changes taking place in regard to attitude and actions as a result of application of the word and slash or conviction of the Holy Spirit. Kind of what we talked about in James when we talked about, you know, fruits, right? That you can evidently see God working in your life, that it is faith. And through faith, we have fruits. Things are taking shape in our lives. You can um, kind of assess, right? You can ask other people, do you see fruit in my life? That's a dangerous question. Do you see God working in my life? And if they say no, you have to be willing to say, okay, um, how do we move forward, right? To take that and to use it as constructive criticism. And that's kind of just a note on how we read this. You know, pride could really get in the way of how we personally assess, right? Pride could really sit there and take root if you're gonna say, yeah, reproducer, I don't even gonna read it. Just put me on the end, right? I'm the, I'm the, the best that a Christian could be like that's gonna get in the way of personally assessing. So you have to see these things and see where they kind of take root in our lives and where we're at and, and honestly and with a sense of humility assess where we're at in our, in our place of God because we wanna be growing. That, that's hopefully our desire is spiritual growth. Okay, moving on, disciple. Consistent growth in the basics of Christian life for at least six months. That is one of those things, you know, it's like the Bible doesn't say, hey, you need to be in the Bible six months and then you achieve a level of disciple. That is something that is not set in stone, right? So don't come at me and be like, why is it six months? Uh, that's just a, an indicator, right? It's supposed to help us kind of assess. Consistent growth in the basics of Christian life for at least six months. So just spent time in the word, figuring things out, right? Um, work out your salvation with fear and trembling um, is, is a scripture that kind of helps us understand that like there's work and effort that needs to take place in our spiritual formation. And so we do that through time and effort in the word and in uh, just presence with the Lord. And so there's these next ones, lordship, the prayer, Lordship, the word, prayer, fellowship, and witnessing. These are biblical truths that are becoming a part of the fabric of our life, right? 
If these things don't have a place in your life, if you don't understand these things, then maybe we need to figure that out. Maybe that's our next step at becoming a disciple. Has developed a heart for God. It's this um, us and God relationship that is being really formed here as a disciple. Has a deepening intimacy with the Lord where love and gratitude for Jesus Christ is the motive for their attitude and actions willing to make any sacrifices to personally grow, even change their schedule, demonstrates a willingness to change priorities and time commitments in order to develop their relationship with God and make themselves available for training. So our relationship with God, the things of our lives are becoming less important and God is becoming more important, right? If our uh, priorities aren't changing at all in our life, once we become a Christian, you know, if we're still holding on to everything the world has to offer um, and we just know, you know, like Jesus as kind of head knowledge, you know, we can't say we've made that jump to disciple because that's what he's called us to do is to put the things of this world away and to make God more of a priority, more of a point to our life. That is a disciple. That is what God called the people that he had walked with him, the 12, do in their lives, hey, Make the things of this world less important. Make me more important. Disciple maker, the next step. This transitions from, yes, we've got right understanding of God. God is in our life. Everything um, is, is slowly moving towards revolving around him. And with that, we start to then see that God cares about his people, right? The greatest commandment is to love God and then love others, right? Now we've, we've, we've figured out that first part. We kind of understand it. Now he's calling us to go and love other people. Continues on as a disciple, but also, but has also made a disciple through a group and slash or one-on-one mentoring, i.e. was the major influence in taking a person from a new or growing Christian to a disciple. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the great commission, right? It's that change of perspective of, yes, God, you've loved me and poured out so many blessings through your son, through everything you've given me. I want to go and, and love the world as Jesus did, as you've called me to. Our perspectives have shift, shifted. Um, and now we're kind of looking at the world and saying, how can I have a heart for the people? Has developed a heart for the people. Is willing to give up their rights and interests in order to meet the needs of others and make disciples from a heart motivated by love. Is willing to make any sacrifice to help another grow, even change their schedule. Is starting to make life decisions, vocation, location, relationships, etc., based upon how they can most effectively fulfill the Great Commission. So it's that, that change of perspective. And I think it's really cool, these last two kind of detail, like, hey, you should be having an impact on other people's lives. Because God has done something in yours, you should have um, the, the, the desire to go and find people who, who need a friend, need someone to tell them that Jesus is the greatest thing that they could ever have and, and tell them and help them develop in the same way Jesus has developed you. And in that, that's developing yourself, right? God has called us to, to have generation after generation be affected by who he is. And so that kind of counts as, right, our children, right, that we should be raising them in a way that is um, pleasing to the Lord, but also just our friends and family, even random strangers, we should be picking them up and taking them towards Jesus, right? And so Reproducer continues on as a disciple maker, keeps doing those things, has been a major influence in helping at least one of their disciples become a disciple maker, has produced a strong third generation. What does that mean? That means that I have gone and told someone about Jesus, and the, 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 the power and potency of the gospel has taken root in their life and become so powerful in their own life that they couldn't help but tell somebody else. And that person then told somebody else that there are generation and generation and generation of new believers that is coming from the, the, the seed that he's sown in, in, in our own lives, right? That's, that's pretty you know, scary to think like, where has that happened in my own life? Have I been, you know, helpful in the development of someone's Christian walk? And if not, how do we figure that out? How do we do that? 
Who do we need to go find so that we can go and be a part of their development, their Christian development, so that we can look back and not so that we could pridefully, at this point, if you're here, you're not doing it so that you could say, look at all that. You know, that's, that's what I did. That's kind of cool. If you're not there in that perspective, you're there saying, look what God has done through me. Look what God has done through that next person. What a blessing it is to be a part of this process because Jesus loved us enough to come and die on the cross for our sins. Let me then give up of my life to go and love others. And that would be a reproducer has been trained and equipped with the knowledge, skill, character, and vision to go to another location to see this whole process begun and repeated. So you could be plucked up out of where you're at, placed somewhere else, and that moment you hit the ground running, you're saying, I'm gonna make Jesus known in the community that I'm around. And all the things that I have you know, learned and the, the processes that I've understood that, that God has showed me through a faithful life of development and formation, I'm gonna keep forming, I'm gonna keep striving after Jesus, and I'm gonna make Jesus known in the place that I'm at. You could think about that missionally, you know, globally, wherever you're at. You could think about it locally. Maybe you move states, maybe you move cities. Wherever you are at, as a reproducer, you're making Jesus known and you're making disciples. And that, that's the, the goal, right, is to be in that place. But reproducer's not the end. I can't say that once you've made that, then you can, you can coast. You'll never be able to coast in this life. Jesus will always be calling us to a deeper and deeper dependency on him. And that is such a blessing because if we don't keep striving, if we don't keep putting him right in front of us, the world is very persuasive and it's very distracting. And we are complacent humans. So it's really good to have this discipleship roadmap, to see it, to kind of have it active. I want you to discuss it, maybe go and read it sometime this week with the, the, the references that you have um, so that we can see how we can, we can grow and be formed in the image of God. Um, take this home and read it. Home groups um, by yourself. I would encourage you to do that. If nothing else, keep this. Go look at it another time this week. I would encourage you to do that. Um, it's good to have a roadmap for where we're at. As we go back into worship, I want us to sing and, and praise the Lord and really just go heart to heart with him. Like, how are you asking me to step up to the plate in my spiritual formation, in my spiritual walk? How are you asking me to take that next step? Where is sin taking root in our lives? Where is complacency maybe keeping us stuck? Where are we in ruts where we're depending on him reactively instead of a proactive approach to saying, I'm gonna wake up every time I pass by the way, I'm gonna call on the name of the Lord wrestle with that this week. You know, you don't have to come out the other side and be like, I've got it all figured out because you're not, but wrestle with it. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Let us pray.